In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, is the Bible an astrological allegory? So basically, you have Cancer is the crab, and Cancer used to be known as the beetle in Egyptian times. In fact, St. Augustine called Jesus the good beetle. In Leo, he's the lion of Judah. In Virgo, he's born of a virgin. He's the wheat stalk. He's the bread of life. In September, the justice, the scales, he's the just one. And he's betrayed in Scorpio and he's killed in Sagittarius. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber. $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me, and all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet patreon.com forward slash strange planet conspiracy unlimited with richard serrett pursuing the truth wherever it leads exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites 
revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. Author researcher Micah Dank is here to discuss astrotheology, a field of study which attempts to tie the gospel to ancient god myths, mysterious religions, and the astrological zodiac. The idea is the story of Jesus is the story of man's relationship with the sun and the seasons. Micah Dank was born in 1983 in Oceanside, New York, and from a young age he wanted to be a writer coming from a family of writers. His father was a producer and radio news editor at CBS News in Manhattan, and his grandfather was a producer at CBS News. In fact, when Dan Rather wrote his autobiography, he listed Micah's grandfather by name as the person he told at the news station about JFK's death. Micah was an actor in high school and became interested in writing from his 12th grade English teacher, Russell Reed. From there, he majored in English at SUNY Albany and transferred down to CUNY Hunter College in Manhattan to earn his bachelor's degree in language, literature, and criticism. It wasn't until he moved to Boston for a new job that he became interested in all the esoteric sciences, including, just to name a few, astronomy, astrology, astrotheology, out-of-body experiences, the Akashic Records, remote viewing, religions, capstones of the pyramids, secret societies, and more. For the next six years, Micah read four hours a day and has interwoven all of them into a series of thrillers called Into the Rabbit Hole. Micah Dank, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. Let's start with a definition. Astrotheology. What does that mean exactly? Well, okay. So basically, if you were to break it down, the best way I could describe it is over the course of human history, from the Greeks to the Romans, even further back to the caves of Lascaux, Gobekli Tepe, what have you. Uh, all the way down through uh, modern-day religions and such. It's basically poetry of the stars. It's basically, you know, you used to have the Greek gods and goddesses and the Roman gods and goddesses, uh, and they basically were stories made up of the constellations. And that's basically what it is. And it survives today within the Bible. Uh, I'm going to give you some pretty... I'm going to give you a basic rundown of the 12 zodiac signs. Are you familiar with the 12 signs at all? Right, right. And these, these we're talking about the Babylonian zodiac, correct? So we're talking like 6th century BC. We're talking the, the current zodiac as we know it today. Right, okay. So the idea is that most of the major religions, including Christianity, really what they are is an allegory for what's going on in the heavens, the, the movement of constellations and stars and so forth. That's correct. Uh, in fact, there are plenty, I'm going to give you both Old and New Testaments, examples that are hidden in plain sight. Okay. But that if you understand the constellations, you'll be able to understand this. Right. So in astrology... The first sign is of the of the year is technically Aries. That's the sign of the new year. But in all intents and purposes, also the zodiac start the zodiac signs are numbered one through twelve. Right. Aries is the ram, right? Aries is the ram, correct. So we're gonna start with the first sign in Aquarius. Okay? Because they're numbered one through twelve, and Aquarius is one. So the first sign is Aquarius, which is represented by the man. So 
that's basically it. Now, the story behind Aquarius is um, the story behind Aquarius is Zeus looked on Earth and he saw a young boy and he wanted that young boy. And what he did was he bartered with the with the boy's father and gave him a bunch of animals and then took the boy up and the boy was miserable in heaven. He would be serving the gods and the goddesses ambrosia. And then what basically happened was he got really fed up with being there. And one day he took the pitcher of ambrosia and he poured it out over the ledge of heaven and flooded the earth. That's where they get their flood story from. And Zeus is furious because he poured out the ambrosia. And the sign of Aquarius is literally a man holding a water pitcher. And so Zeus was going to punish the boy, but instead reflected and realized that he'd been mistreating him. So instead he made him as a permanent constellation in the sky as Aquarius, the man with the water pitcher. Pisces is the sign of the two fish in the water. Pisces is technically a water sign too. So when, when they refer to water, they could be talking about Pisces in the Bible. I'll get to examples of this. I'm just going to explain the 12 signs. Aries is the ram. In Aries, you have March 21st, which is the spring equinox. That's 12-hour day, 12-hour night. The Jews hold something called the Passover, or the passing over of the sun over the equator. In astrotheology, it's the passing over of the sun over the equator. In Christianity, they changed it. They called it the resurrection of God's sun, the sun itself, the sun going on its way to heaven. It's why the Jews smear the lamb's blood on the door. It's the ram. It's, they're, they're the people of that time. So Taurus is the bull. And the reason Taurus is the bull is because you got to remember back in the day when the uh, Bible was written, there was no smartphones. There was no Apple watches. There was no clocks. There was no calendars. Um, they basically used to look at the sun, find out where it is in the sky and look at the stars to find out what season it was. Because they had to, <clears throat> in the Northern Hemisphere, they had to keep track of whether something was going to, whether it was going to be hot or cold. They had to know when winter was coming. Right, for, to, the ag for agriculture. Exactly, exactly. So Taurus is the bull. So when you look at the sky and you see Taurus, you know that you're supposed to put the plow on the bull so that you can plant the seeds so that you can harvest in Virgo and Libra, which I'll get back to shortly. Gemini is the twins, Castor and Pollux Troy, whose famous sister was Helen of Troy, the story of Achilles. Sure, yeah. Okay. Nothing happens here so far astrotheologically. I mean, there are some uh, important constellations and stars in Gemini, but astrotheologically, nothing really happens here except that when they mention twins in the Bible, like there were twin, like Jesus had twin disciples, or the passage when Jesus went into town on twin donkeys. Remember? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so they, when they when they refer to twins, it's inadvertently speaking of Gemini. Now, Cancer is the crab. It's a sideways moving creature. So what happens basically is the sun, it rises a degree on its axis every single day until it hits June 21st, which is the summer solstice. It's the, the longest day of the year. It's 18 hours sun, six hours night. And then what happens is it rises a degree every day till it hits June 21st. Then on June 21st, what happens is it stays at the same degree for three days. And then on June 25th, it starts to go down a degree. And then what happens is it goes all the way down a degree a day until it hits December 21st. Right, the winter solstice, and it does the, the winter, same thing. And it does the same thing for three days. Astrotheologically, that's why they say that God's son was dead for three days, which then rises on December 25th, which is the birth of the sun, and it's celebrated to this day. But let's just keep going with this real quick. So... 
Leo is the king. He's the lion of the jungle. Right. Um, the lion of Judah. The lion of Judah, exactly. The pride. He's the ru- the ruling planet of Leo is the sun. So Virgo is the woman hold this is an important one. Virgo is the woman holding the wheat stalk. Right. Okay. Now she's holding the wheat stalk because remember how I told you you had to plant in the Taurus? Well, you're supposed to cultivate that in Virgo. You're supposed to the virgins go out into the field and cultivate the wheat and they would make the bread. So that's when they would do that. Libra is the justice. It's the scales, it's the balance. It's the reason it's it's the scales and it's the balance is because it judges God's son as it passes over the fall equinox and begins its descent into its death or into winter. Um, and this is when the Jews always celebrate the new year. And not only is in Libra the judging time, but you have a holiday called Yom Kippur in the Jewish religion, which is the day of atonement. So it's the day of being judged. Correct. So that happens mm-hmm. then too. Now Scorpio is the scorpion. Now if you look at the sky, if you look at Scorpio, it looks like a scorpion. Like most of these signs, you you, you kind of have to give it a little, you, you need a little imagination, so to speak. Right, right. But Scor- scorpion, Scorpio looks just like the scorpion. He's the, he's the betrayer. And why he's the betrayer is because when a scorpion used to bite you in ancient Egyptian times, and even now, but like in ancient Egyptian times, and in early Jewish times, they would notice that the scorpion would leave a mark in your skin that looked like a pair of lips. And that's where the mafia gets the kiss of death from, because it's a betrayal. Now, it's why Judas, who's the betrayer of Christ, identifies him with a kiss. Could have been any other way, but it's very specific, and it's showing homage to Scorpio. The last... And then we have Sagittarius. This is where the bow and arrow shoot the sun and inflict further punishment on the sun. And I explained that on December 21st, it dies. And then for three days, it's dead. And then it rises a degree. And that is Capricorn. That is the goat. And it's the goat because it's if you look at the zodiac wheel and Capricorn's at the bottom, he starts to climb on the mountains because the goats climb on the mountains. It's important to understand the following. Aquarius is the man sign. So when they refer to Jesus as the son of man, they're referring to Aquarius. They're referring to the sun in Aquarius. So you're talking about Aquarius. The son of man is actually the sun in Aquarius. Pisces is a sign of two fish. So Jesus feeds the masses with two fish. Two fish is the Pisces. You know, it's, it's a metaphor. So what happens is also is that he's also known as the fisherman of men which is the sign in that. Now in Aries, it, he's known as, as the Lamb of God. because he's Right, the but, a, but Aries is a ram. It's not a lamb. Well, technically a lamb, a ram, it's the same animal. Well, I suppose. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm, just giving yeah. you, I'm just giving you what it is, and yeah. you can throw it back for sure, absolutely. But basically he's known as the Ram of God. Taurus is the bull. He's known as the strong bull. It's also been suggested that the age of Taurus coincides with, in Exodus, we have Moses going up to Mount Sinai. When he comes back down with the tablets, the Jews are praying to the golden calf. So, Exactly. Uh, I was going to get into that, the golden calf. So it's one of two things. You've got a population of very impoverished people who've been wandering the desert for years and years and years, suddenly have welding equipment and create a (laughs) giant, giant golden cow to worship, or 
the cow represents Taurus, and they're worshiping the sun in Taurus. Now, here's the interesting thing. Moses throws the tablets down, becoming the first lawbreaker. That's where that phrase comes from. He broke the law. And he sees them worshiping Taurus, and he's mad about it because they're in the age of Aries. Now, let me throw this at you. In the age of Taurus, you had the Egyptian people that were most prevalent. They were the dominating culture. They're tons of hieroglyphs of a bull with the sun in between its horns constantly. Now, in the Aries, time of Aries, the Jews become the dominant people, okay? That's why they blow the ram's horn, because it's, it's the ram. They blow the ram's horn to the sky during the holiday, and they become the dominant culture. Then what happens is you see during the age of Pisces, Christianity becomes the dominant culture. With the two fish, you have the, the Jesus fish on the car, they become the dominant culture. So if you, if you follow this throughout the years, you'll realize that every zodiac sign, there's a, a new dominant religion slash culture that takes over. I think we're too early into Aquarius to know what it is. Right. Technically, what is it? 2150 AD, supposedly, right? Is the age of no, Aquarius? No, no, no. Actually, there's a very good case to be made that the end of the Mayan calendar, December 21st, 2012, okay. was the end of... Was the end of uh, the age of Pisces and the beginning of Aquarius. All right. So if you use that. So basically you have Cancer is the crab and Cancer used to be known as the beetle in Egyptian times in yeah. the Zodiac. The scarab, right. The scarab. You, you can even get the word crab from the word scarab. In fact, St. Augustine called Jesus the good beetle. You can look that up if you'd like, but like it, he, it, it's what it is. In Leo, he's the lion of Judah. Mm-hmm. In Virgo, he's born of a virgin. He's the wheat stalk. He's the bread of life. In September, the justice, the scales, he's the just one. And he's betrayed in Scorpio, and he's killed in Sagittarius. Now, I've gone over all his nicknames throughout there, but let me give you, now that I've gone over it, let me give you a phrase. You've heard of the phrase, pride comes before the fall, correct? Oh, yes. That's the new Rolling Stones single, by the way. Is it? Yeah, it was just uh, Mick Jagger just teased that on YouTube. So there you go. Very timely. They're still making music? (laughs) Indeed, they are. Good for them. All right. So pride comes before the fall. Let me ask you as a, I'm not sure what denomination you are. Greek Orthodox. You're Greek Orthodox? Orthodox? I married a Greek, and then I converted from the United Church, yeah. Gotcha, okay. So explain to me what pride comes before the fall means. Pride before the fall. Well, literally, it would mean that if you think that you can do something all on your own without the assistance of God, you're going to fail, you're going to fall. The pride, putting yourself above God. Or mm-hmm. with with the, the fallen angel, with Lucifer, he placed himself, he wanted to place himself above God, right? And then he was cast out. Right. Okay. So that is a, I'm going to say, I'm not even going to call that apologetics. I'm just going to say that's a pretty, pretty normal, I, that's the kind of reaction and response that I get all the time when I do these interviews. But let me throw this at you real quick. What is a group of lions called? A pride. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. Pride is Leo. Lions, Leo, pride. Leo is in July and August. That comes before the fall, the season of the fall. Sure, sure. Okay, so it's these double meanings. Right, right. No, it's interesting. There, there are some interesting parallels there, to be sure. Right. 
Uh, I can give you another one, too. Okay. My name is Micah. In the book of Micah, where does he predict the Savior is going to come from? Does he actually talk about the city of David or, or Bethlehem, which is Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the house of bread, right? The house of bread. Exactly. The house of bread is Virgo with the wheat stalk. So the Savior is going to come from Bethlehem, the house of bread. Right. From Virgo, the Savior is going to come from a virgin. You see how that works too? Sure. No, it's, it is it is interesting. Again, the Babylonian zodiac comes from 6th century BC. But a lot of the, you know, Genesis is basically 1000 BC. So an exodus. These things happen before the creation of the Babylonian zodiac. So what does that mean then? The general zodiac that we have right now, I'm not sure on the date of it, but it has evolved over time. The Egyptians... Instead of the lion, they've had the sphinx. Uh, the Egyptians, instead of having the crab, they had the scarab. Um, there are differences throughout. The The other one, too, is is that Scorpio, the scorpion, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the right. crawls on the plate, it's most evolved metaphorical, it, it's most metaphorically evolved, um, what's the word for it? Um ascendant of it okay. is the eagle. Now I'll get into that because I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give you a, a little pitch from the uh, from the four horsemen. But I wanted to give you based on what I gave you, I want to give you a quote from Deuteronomy and I want to just uh, show you where the astrotheology is in it, okay? Okay. Deuteronomy 32 and just let me know if you've heard of this quote or if you remember it. He goes, "He gave them honey from the cliffs and olive oil from the rocky ground." He gave his people butter from the herd and milk from the flock. He gave them lambs and goats. They had the best rams from Bashan and the finest wheat. They drank the best wine made from the juice of red grapes, but Jeshurun became fat and kicked like a bull. I've heard the that passage from Deuteronomy. I, w- I wasn't aware it was from Deuteronomy, but uh, okay, so th- what is the parallel there then with the, I guess, the heavenly bodies? Okay, so he gave them honey from the cliffs. So in the in the constellation Cancer, there's a, something called the Beehive Cluster. It's an asterism. It's a group of small stars. Right. In Cancer, called the Beehive Cluster. That's the honey. Also, a point to say is that the milk is the Milky Way galaxy. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the milk and the honey, the land of the milk and honey. You're talking about from the top of the zodiac, that area right there between the Milky Way galaxy and the Beehive Cluster. So that's when they mention that. He gave them honey from the cliffs, that's in Cancer, and olive oil from the rocky ground. Olives are collected in Libra, as are the grapes for wine. You're Greek, okay? And you know, the Greeks and Italians know this, is that wine season is in Libra. In September, October, that's right. when the years right. are full. That's when you collect, that's when you make the grapes, sure. that's when you make, when you make the wine. Mm-hmm. Plant in Taurus. You plant them in Taurus, and then you harvest them in Libra. So in Virgo, you got the bread, and then in Libra, you got the wine. That's where you get the bread and the wine. Right, right, so okay. Olives are collected in Libra, as are the grapes from the wine. He gave his people butter from the herd and milk from the flock. So the female bull, the cow, produces um, the stuff for the butter. And the Milky Way galaxy comes from, I mean, the milk comes from the Milky Way galaxy. So that's the milk and the honey that we said. Then he said he gave them lambs and goats. Lamb is a baby ram. Aries 
And the goat is Capricorn. The goat. They had the best rams from Bashan and the finest wheat. Again, that's rams as in Aries and the finest wheat as in Virgo, the lady with the wheat stalk. Right, right. They said they drank the best wine made from the juice of grapes. That's Libra. And then they said, but Jeshurun became fat and kicked like a bull. The bull is Taurus. So right there, you have 10 or 11 um, star signs that are explained within that one passage. Sure. But to be fair, I mean, when you're talking about, you know, that area we call the Holy Land, if you're going to talk about livestock, you're going to talk about all of those animals, right? They would be the most popular. You're going to talk about bulls and goats and rams and lambs and and so forth. And then you mentioned, you know, Pisces. Well, that was the major source of, of protein would be fish. Right. And Jesus not only gave them fish, he gave them, on one occasion, he gave them two. There was another occasion where he gave them four fish. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is it's, it's understandable that the, that the Bible would be full of references to those, you know, to fish, to bread, to wine, to livestock. It's not a stretch to th- think that they would be mentioning those animals. Look, I'm not. I'm not trying to like make a persuasive case one way or another. No, I'm no. Just I'm just. I'm just. Yeah, we're just dialoguing. We start out of correlation, but that brings yeah. me to the next point that I wanted to bring up to you, is that there are plenty of animals that weren't there that were described. Let me give you. You're familiar with Job, right? Yes. You're familiar with God's response to Job. Basically, God says to him, "You have no." clue about the mysteries of life and death. He says to him something like, you know, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Right, exactly. But with your permission, I'd like to go through the whole challenge with you and show you the astrology within that. Okay. Okay. So first and foremost, Job thirty-eight thirty-two. he says, can you lead forth the Maseroth? Now the Maseroth literally is the Zodiac. It literally translates the Zodiac. Over time, the word Maseroth becomes Mazalot. And then over more time, Mazalot becomes Mazaltov, which ah. is literally mm-hmm. good fortune from the stars. Right. That, that means. So the Lord's challenge to Job. His, the first two are, are openly, uh, his first two statements are openly speaking about astrotheology. He says, Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? So those two are just obviously talking about the stars. Mm-hmm. Now here we go. Can you lead for? Can you bring forth the constellation in their seasons, or lead out the bear with his cubs? Right. Mm-hmm. The constellations are the are the zodiac above, and the bear and its cubs are. You heard of Ursa Major, the great yes. bear. And yes. Yes. Of course. Part of the Big Dipper. Right. Then he says, "Who can tip over the water jars of heaven?" That's Aquarius. Interesting. Then he says, do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions? That's Leo. Who provides food for the raven? That's the constellation Corvus, which means raven and is bordering on Virgo. Do you watch where the doe bears her fawn? Mariga, which means deer, is located in Orion. Who let the wild donkey go free? A salus borealis means donkey and is located in the constellation of Cancer. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? That's Taurus. The wings of the ostrich jap- flap joyfully. That's Lambda Achille or Al Thalinan, which means two ostriches in Arabic. Nonetheless, those are the signs. Do you give the horse its strength? It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side along with the flashing spear and lance. 
Sagittarius with the bow and arrow. Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? Aquila is the Latin name for eagle, and it's a constellation a few degrees above the celestial equator. Then he says, can you pull in Leventian with a fish hook? That's Pisces. That's, that's his challenge. Line for line, you can connect them to the stars. More of my conversation with Micah Dank when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Let's get Colleen Ferguson here. She's the manager of our full script dispensary at strangeplanet.ca. Hey, Colleen, how are you? I'm wonderful, Richard. How are you? Terrific, thank you. But we're heading into cold and flu season. What do we have at full script to help people support their respiratory health? We have a product called ViraCare. It's by a manufacturer called Patient One. And this product is designed to be used when you feel a cold coming on. So it's not a daily support, but it's something you want to have available in your cabinet. When you start to feel not your best, you take a concentrated dose over an initial 12-hour period, and then the next day you take a smaller dose, but it's to knock out anything that might be trying to attack your immune system and to give it a big boost. Fantastic. Viracare to support your respiratory health. Go to strangeplanet.ca. Click on the full script dispensary button. There's a 10% discount on all the products there and free delivery on all orders over $50. Thanks again, Colleen. Thank you, Richard. Take care. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Micah Dank is here discussing astrotheology and the idea that the Bible is an astrological allegory. What do you think this all means then? That it's simply an allegory? that this is basically like the, the farmer's almanac, uh, that the, the farmers were seeking guidance from the stars and the constellations in order to know when to, to plant and when to reap and so forth. Is that the idea? I, I, I think from, and I'm constantly evolving in how I think about things, but I think that this is a very, very encoded book that speaks of, and at the time that the Bible was written, we have 88 constellations now that include the 12 zodiacs, at the time that it was written, we had the Zodiac, but we only had 48 constellations. So they wrote about what they knew. The same way that pride comes before the fall is a double entendre. I think that's what the book is completely about. I think there's one way to read it literally, and there's one way to read it astrotheologically. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, uh, I, I don't know regarding believing the validity of it 100% as a straight book to read as the truth, but I do know that there is a lot of truth in it. Let me give you another example. In Revelation 4, son, you've read Revelation. Yes. Everyone's read Yes. I'm studying that right now in Bible class, actually, Bible study. Oh, okay. okay, let me throw this one at you. In Revelation 4, 7, the first living creature was like a lion. This is, these are the four horsemen. 
The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face of a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Now, lion is Leo. The ox is Taurus. The face of a man is the man sign. That's Aquarius. Mm -hmm. The fourth was a flying eagle. Now, I already explained to you before that Scorpio used to be known as the eagle in its most evolved form. If you plot those four particular zodiac signs, you'll find they're the cardinal signs of the zodiac, the four cardinal points. So I don't think it's an accident. They right. knew their astrology. They knew what it was. Um, and there's, you know, to me, it's I just I find I find all these correlations. Yeah, they, they, they are. They're they're fascinating. Absolutely. Now it's interesting within the twelve signs of the zodiac. If I'm not mistaken, Leo comes before Virgo, right? Uh, that's right. So wouldn't you, I mean, if we're looking at sort of the Christian narrative and we have the virgin birth, which is Virgo, uh, and then ushering in the age of the lion, shouldn't Virgo then come first before Leo? You, you got to understand is the way that the way that the way that astrotheology works in the Bible is that when you read a passage and then you follow it by another passage. Now, it's a book just like any other book. Not every line is going to be talking about astrology. Right. There's right. going to be there's going to be there's going to be stretches and long stretches of time where they don't mention it because it's their stories to begin with, too. But when you get to point with astrotheology, you got to realize is that when you're talking about I mean, what I did was I, I took the book of Matthew and I maybe we could do this at another time. But I I, I broke it down the, like I just did for the book of Job. I did the book of Matthew. And what you'll find is that when you're talking about a sign. The next passage will either talk about the previous sign, the next sign, or its cross sign. Like, let me let me throw this example at you. Jesus is supposedly born December twenty fifth, right? And John the Baptist at one point says he will de he will increase while I decrease, something to that effect. Yes. Okay. So if you think about it astrotheologically, the sun is born December twenty fifth. It starts rising a degree, going up every year. And then you would think that by passageway, John the Baptist would be decreasing a degree and going down. Now, how do you know if Jesus is, if, if when you're talking about Jesus on December 25th, how do you know that John is on, John would be six months apart? Do you know how you know that? Well, if John is the, you know, the baptizer, I suppose you can make a case he's the water bearer, he's Aquarius. That's true. But there's more than one way to read astrotheology. Okay. Just, just on that one particular phrase. St. John's Day is June 24th, ah, exactly six right. months away from December. Right. So he says, I will increase, he will increase and I will decrease. But yeah, John the Baptist is the water bearer. There's, there's a passage when he's talking about, where Jesus is talking about going through, uh, I think when he resurrects and he's walking along, the, he's walking along the water or the beach. Um, and the, his, his disciples are fishing and they can't catch anything. You know, uh, Aquarius is an air sign, but because it's a picture of water, when you're talking about it astrotheologically in the Bible, it can reference water. Pisces is the fish in the water. Pisces can also reference water. You know what I mean? You see what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Okay. So he's walking along Aquarius, and then he sees them, uh, or he's walking along the line between Aquarius and Pisces. He sees them <coughs> in Aquarius, and he says, you're not catching anything? Throw your net to the other side. So if you literally throw the net, metaphorically, from Aquarius to the other side, you're throwing it to Pisces, where the fish are. So they catch the fish. Do you remember how many fish they caught? I don't. 
they caught 153 fish. Okay, that number is very specific because if you look at the math and the science around that time, 153 is the do- denominator for the vesica Pisces. And if you look at a vesica Pisces, its middle section is the basis of the Jesus fish that people put on their car. Right. So it's right. it's it's a very encoded science. It's, that is interesting. You mentioned Aquarius. I just I found something here too. I don't know if you get into this, but the head of Aquarius rises from the eastern horizon. It, it appears as if it's being beheaded by the horizon, which would then, I suppose, mirror John the Baptist being, the Baptist and, being beheaded by Herod. Right. Interesting. Yeah, that it is interesting. The other the other thing too is there. There's countless explanations about how we see it in Christianity today, even today. For instance, do you know why just why why the new year is January 1st. If you think about it agriculturally, astrotheologically, as the original uh, calendar, wouldn't it make more sense, like like the Jews have the new year right around uh, the autumn equinox? Right, it harvest more, time, harvest time, right, yeah. Wouldn't it make more sense to have a new year then? Or, at, you know, close to December 21st? No, it's January 1st. Do you know why it's January 1st? Does it have anything to do with the Romans, the Roman calendar? Nothing with the Romans, and and uh, to be honest with you, we should have uh, either an equinox or a solstice New Year, but we don't. It's January first because on January on December thirty first at midnight in the northern hemisphere, if you come outside at midnight when everyone's making all that noise, you look straight up at the sky. The highest star that you can see is Sirius or Dog Star. Right. Okay, and then if you, and then it comes straight down to you, on Earth, and then if you draw a straight line down even further, you get yourself to the sun. It forms a complete straight line, and it's the only day that it has that. So when people like Neil deGrasse Tyson say there's no significance to why January first is the new year, he's he's wrong. He's just wrong. Well, I've I've also heard it suggested that those, you know, the Orion's belt and you've got Sirius, the star, and those three stars of Orion that com- comprise Orion's belt, they have been described, I'm not sure if this was Acharya S or whether I saw this in the film Zeitgeist, but they talk about those three stars being, being the, the, three the three kings, they're following the star, which is Sirius, which then aligns with uh, the sun, right? So they are following the star to find the sun, right. which is interesting, except of course the Bible never refers to three kings. Uh, specifically, it doesn't name number them. They just said, you know, the, the Magi. They, there were three gifts, but it never ever mentions the number of of kings. But but don't they line up like 365 days a year? Well, it's not the it's not the the three kings that line up. It's their position with the with the with this with the northern star. It's how it's how that particularly lines up, and it also right. has to do with, um, like for example. When Jesus dies on the cross, it's basically you could see a line coming down straight through the sky. And then basically the sun, when it sets on the lowest point of the year. Right. The southern crux. The southern crux. The southern crux. It's literally. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, that that 
uh, and that's part of a constellation, I guess, that Southern Crux, but that that wasn't even apparently discovered until sea navigators went far enough south in like the 16th century. So they wouldn't have known about that then. I mean, it is interesting, don't get me wrong, the idea that the sun appears to be crucified. We haven't exactly been told the truth about everything. I mean, I suppose. there's a map. There's a map called the Piriris map that's not supposed to exist, which basically shows a green lush Antarctica that was written back in the 1500s. This man took a bunch of maps to make one general map, including mm-hmm. maps Columbus used. Right. You know, called the Piriris map. It shows Antarctica discovered with Greenland on it uh, in the 1500s, and and la- Antarctica wasn't supposedly discovered into the into the 1800s. Right. It's right. the same thing that happens with the uh, with this with the Sphinx. Um, the Sphinx has water striations on the back of it, okay, and, 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 and when it's completely above ground, you would think if it was a desert that it would be war- – they would have wear and tear, but it's not wear and tear from sand smacking against it for a millennia. It's, it's, from, it's smooth from water, and the last time there was water in that region was during the last flood, which was 12,000 years ago. So they're not telling you the truth about when things are being made or things are, are being no, created. No, that's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. And regardless, it is an interesting analogy, the the, the sun appearing to be crucified on the Southern Cross. Right. Uh, we're almost out of time here, but uh, Virgo, the Virgin, the house of bread. Bethlehem is also the house of bread. But surely that's not to suggest that Bethlehem wasn't real, that it only existed in the sky, because we know... You know, Bethlehem is is referred to in the Old Testament. It's archaeological digs have shown that this area that is now Bethlehem was inhabited during the Iron Age. We know Bethlehem was real. Making the argument that any of these locations didn't exist. Okay. I'm author myself. I have a six book series out right now. My main characters, my main characters live in the Boston area, and they have some stuff to do with local Long Island. I did that because uh, I'm from Long Island. But I wouldn't suggest if somebody read this in 500 years that Boston didn't exist, even if my stories are fiction. The play, you know, that you, you build off of truth. Right. I'm not saying Bethlehem didn't exist. Bethlehem, of course, existed. I'm just saying is the fact that it's the house of bread and the fact if you knew something meant something and you can make a connection, I mean, you could technically write that in. I'm not right. saying that was right. the case or not. No, that, that to me is the basis of art, is making these connections. And, and uh, there, there definitely are. I guess it, it's, it's trying to grapple with what does it all mean and what does it mean for... Uh, for me as a Christian and or someone who's a Jew, what does it mean for a Muslim? What does it mean for a Buddhist and so forth? But the connections are there. There's no question. And they're fascinating. And the interesting part about this whole thing, not to give away the end of book one, but to make my last point, there's a catechism in the Roman Catholic Church that is written that says to give God all the glory and to stay away from things like palm reading and astrology. That's a catechism in the Roman Catholic Church. They teach astrology like it's from the devil. Right, right. When in such clear fashion, I'm pretty sure I made a decent case today, at least, hopefully, that astrology is in the Bible. Sure, sure. They tell you to stick away from it. Right. And the and the um, Hebrews were into astrology during the times of the Old Testament, were they not? Didn't they write about um or even after the, uh, I don't know about the Zodiac, but they were certainly, they wrote about astrology. And the, the Jews, um, the beginning of every new month is called Rosh Chodesh, and it has to do with the, the new moon. Um, the Mount Sinai is a combination of two words, sin and AI. AI means mountain in Hebrew. 
okay? And Sin is the moon god. So Sinai is the mountain of the moon god because they would look at Sinai and the moon would creep from behind it, and that's where they thought it came from. So, of course, they were definitely into it. Hmm. Fascinating. Well, you've uh, you've given me much to think about, um, Micah. How do we uh, how do we get your uh, your series of into the rabbit hole books? You go on you can go on Amazon and search me, Micah Dank. I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter at Real Mister Dank. I'm on uh, Facebook as Micah D M I C A H space D E E, and uh, you could shoot me a message. Uh, like I said, one of my best friends, Paul, growing up. Is a uh, he's a very devout young Earth Christian, and we get into conversations about it all the time. And one of the things he told me is he said, "I can't deny the connections you make, but all it does is it enhances my faith." Right, I feel the same way. Uh, you know, uh, what is that expression? As above, so below. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe that's what we're seeing here. It's just this wonder, <laughs> incredible symmetry that could be for me faith affirming. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you take from it, God bless. That's not what. That's not what I write about because I don't know how I feel about it. Right. I, I don't know. personally. I don't take it as a as a literal book. But if I can help somebody out, Christian or non Christian, with with what I write, then I'm more than willing to. Fantastic, Mike. It was great meeting you, and I enjoyed this conversation. I did too. Thank you. Okay. Before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back on the other side to tell you a little bit about an upcoming episode. What can I say about ESS-60 I haven't already said? It's a miracle in a bottle. ESS-60 is pure carbon-60. And carbon-60 is a miracle molecule that earned its discoverers a Nobel Prize in chemistry. I've been taking a tablespoon of ESS-60 for my friends at C60 Evo every morning for nearly a year. What a difference it's made in my life. It delivers better health, mental clarity, and immune support. I'm pain-free, energized, and I'm sleeping better than I have in decades. ESS-60 from C60 Evo is a powerful antioxidant, 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. It's a known antiviral, antibacterial, and anti-inflammatory remedy that really works. And now you can experience C60 Evo's new Advanced Facial Serum the groundbreaking new anti-aging formula that incorporates ESS-60, plus 21 organic, natural, and vegan ingredients. This luxuriant formulation is specifically blended to soften and heal your skin. Put it on at night, enjoy the subtle rosemary essence, and awaken to noticeably softer skin. To get your ESS-60 and C60's new advanced facial serum, go to episode notes for this podcast and click on the C60 Evo link. And don't forget to use the code RS1SPEC, RS1SPEC for 5% off. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. Coming up next time. Willie Hassel, co-host of the Spirit Radio podcast, discusses the USS Salem, a Cold War-era naval ship which served as a post-World War II triage vessel and makeshift morgue, considered one of the most haunted ships in the world. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. 
new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs> <laughs>